You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to The Journey, where we are going to talk about a lifestyle with dogs and throw in a few life lessons along the way. Whether you're a hound hunter, a bird dog enthusiast running setters, pointers, retrievers, or a flat-out running dog junkie, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Heath Hyatt, a certified law enforcement canine trainer with over three decades of personal and professional training and handling experience. It's time for me to pay it forward. So grab your leads, lace up those boots, and come and join me on this lifelong process of teaching, training, and learning called The Journey. Do you like to be outdoors like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user since 2013. It's the one app I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, feeding, bedding areas, and the list goes on. When I'm traveling, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I'm blessed to hunt. While out west hiking Yellowstone, I knew exactly where every trail went and the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I even use it to mark my favorite fishing spots. It's been a game changer at work. I've used it numerous times to get in touch with property owners. I even landed MedFlight one time in the middle of nowhere using the GPS coordinates. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it for everything. It is by far the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's Houndsman XP approved. So get started with Onyx today using HXP20 and know where you stand. Let's just get started. Guys, today we're going to take a trip back up north. Um, I like it in Maine. I've always liked it in Maine. I've made several trips. was up there this summer. I uh, just had uh, Brandon Mitchell on. So I follow this feller on Facebook and Instagram. I keep up with this stuff. I really admire the dogs, uh, the videos that he puts up. And, you know, if you want my opinion, which doesn't matter for much, what a dog should look like, you know, you pull his stuff up. This is this is what I like to see in a dog. Um, decent legs, not overly heavy. Uh, color doesn't matter, but it does matter. Nice blanket back, red heads. Um, just some phenomenal, phenomenal looking hounds. So today we got Kirk Rogers on. And he's with Bear and Hound Outfitters up in Maine. How's the weather up your way today? 
Well, she's in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, it's been cool. You know, 28, 29 in the mornings. It's uh, bear season's over. Deer season's here. Downtime for the dogs. For, for me and them, kind of recoup. And maybe I'll get some deer hunting in. And maybe I'll get a little coon hunting in with a couple puppies. And just mess around and let them have, a, have the deer season off. And move forward into cat season. Yeah. I mean, let's, uh, and I know you said you were in your downtime trying to recoup from, you know, month, month and a half of hard hunting. So when did you, when did your season start? When did you first start having clients? Um, how did that, how did that work out? And it looked like, you know, through your, your social media that you had a fairly decent season. We had a good season. I mean, it's, it's hound season stats like the second week of uh, September. And I had, uh, four guys came over from the country in Norway and they brought two hounds and we had a, we had a hell of a 10 days hunting. They, uh, they can go through the woods, not much of a language barrier. You know, there's just a little bit, a little bit there every once in a while, but, uh, showed them a pile of bears. Uh, we did kill several big ones. Uh, first one we, uh, treed was over 500 and treat them in a, 25 foot dead spruce top busted off and had a bunch of long walks and we had some short walks, but in that country I hunt, you can, I think 1.8 was the, the longest walk to a tree. And I think the shortest one was 450 yards. And through the season with clients, I had some uh, other guys with hounds come up and run and some succeeded and some found it a little rough and needed their dogs a little bit more in shape. But we, all in all, it's, you know, when you go to different ground, you expect different things. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was going to ask you what the guys that brought hounds in, what, what was the main difference? Was it because they weren't in shape or just different country? What, I think it was, I think it's a little bit of the different country. When you get up over 2000 feet to 2,500 feet in the mountains, you start getting into the, a lot of rock and boulders and ledge and all that mixed thick, thick spruce you can't walk through. Mm-hmm. And there's, then when you get on top, all that stuff is wind damage. So you have a lot of fallen blowdowns and you need an athletic agile dog to get through that. And one, one, one fellow that came up from, uh, Western New York there, he, uh, he said he thought my dogs a pot kangaroo cause standing against the rock, I don't know, about a six-foot boulder. Two of my dogs just gracefully jumped right up there and just started licking my buddy's face, you know, and he's like, that's that's what it takes in this country. And I'm like, that, that's what it does, you know. I mean, fast-track dogs. Yeah. Fast-track dogs. Well, and we, I want to get into your dogs in a little bit. I want to, I want to, you know, talk a little bit more about your season and hunting. What, uh, and I know you're hunting a bunch of young dogs, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. What, any hunts that really stood out to you, um, with your clients, what, anything that, that, that kind of sticks out in your head that was either memorable or this is a, not the way the things are supposed to go. Cause we know we get both varieties of that. Oh, they ain't perfect. They don't walk on water. <laughs> Had a couple, I did have a couple of crash races. You know, and you're going to get that, you know, and we did mix up a few dogs and, you know, we had a little couple training incidents, but that, that's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't consider any dog a hundred percent broke. I mean, there's just pressure and competition, you know, and 
and, you, and you're going to get that with young dogs. Uh, my buddy Shane walked the dogs in some beach, and I said, well, I'll man the road, you know, in case they dump over on the other side, I can, I can pack them up. And uh, he took four dogs. Uh, what did he take? He took three bitches and w- one young male dog and, and walked the beach. And he said it was a, the best the, the best day of the whole season for him is because he sat on a rock and listened to him cold trail, jump, go off the face of one mountain, down in, cross a big stream, pull up on the next mountain to 2,900 feet, made a hook, and come right back down and, and treed right on a bench right beside a hiking trail. And uh, it put us only at 0.6 uh, for a hike. But he said, I listened to the whole thing. I listened to the dogs bait up for 15, 20 minutes, and then move a little bit and tree and he was he was pumped up and uh i think he was a little more than pumped up he was wound up a little bit and uh i had two two races because in that country you're going to get them you're going to listen to them trail out and then next thing you know they're up on it gone over the mountain you drive around they're either still running baying or the tree so, so you don't get that but we had one day uh it was just him and i him and my buddy shane and i and a client and uh we dumped him out on a bait and they went out and he checked the camera and we baited it out and it was like, yeah, three o'clock. It was Monday morning. So we dumped him out and they went out trailing and they come back and they got down in the beach and they started trailing good. And we started listening to go out. Uh, I think it was 1.1 mile when they jumped and then it was instantly caught and they just walked and baited him. Jane goes back in cause he wanted to delete the, card on the camera and comes back out and says i messed up he said that was 3 a.m sunday morning now i'm not saying them dogs took a crack that old i'm just they had enough scent to move them out and get them into the beach where that bear was probably feeding mm-hmm. and uh, we listened to the whole thing we listened to them bay and bay and bay and bay and bay and then settle right down and just nothing moved and then they went to treeing and they were two and a half miles away and it was just one of them days and you never you never get that in that country you know, and we, we got to listen to the whole thing. And then when we pulled up to a gated road to hike in, we got away from the river about three-tenths of a mile. And we could hear them a little over a mile pounding on the side of that mountain. And we listened to them the whole way in. And, and you'd have thought they were 300 yards from you. They sounded so good. Now, that elevation, it puts you in a lap, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, and I had some other good hunts where, you know, young dogs stayed right up with them faster, older dogs that, I can't say older. One's gonna be, one just turned three, and the other one's gonna be three in December. Uh, they probably ran five miles, and we listened to quite a bit of that race. That out into a big bowl, came smoking right back, parallel with the road, and they caught it. And on the GPS, it was just a just one triangle, so nobody was really in front, nobody was behind, you know. And then they just fifteen minutes of baying, and they treated it, you know. And you just appreciate that when you get them listen to the whole thing especially when they've covered that much ground. Mm-hmm. So how many, how many days, how many days a year do you get, do you actually hunt? How many do you think? Well, I try and hunt as many days I can in, in, in the summertime training, which this year we had so much rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I try and hunt every day of training season, which is July and August. And then pretty much every day during kill season, there's another, I think 42 days in kill season. And then during the winter, I, I can hunt just about every single day from good conditions to poor conditions. <laughs> and that's basically, I think that helps the young dogs, the puppies, 
learn how to cold trail and you, and you see it quicker, you know, you, it brings it out of them. You know, I mean, when you can, I like to put them on a few coons, put them on some cats and then switch them over to bear and, and the cold trailing just seems to be easier. Well, that's you know, what once you worked, once you work them on 20 cats during the winter, you know, I, I don't really care about killing another cat. I mean, dogs caught one a couple of years ago with 42 pounds, oh, you nice. know, uh, you know, that's a, that's a monster cat, but, uh, just to go run and have fun. We, we, I do that pretty much at least three to four days a week, all winter. The cats, the bobcats, you yeah. know, and that's middle of December, end of December till the end of February. And, you know, and then it's downtime, but I mean, I just, I don't use any leashes. I take leashes to a tree. I'll tie them back mm-hmm. training season. And just, if the bear's comfortable, the dogs are comfortable. I just start unhooking and I tell them we're done here. Let's leave it. I hit the tone button and let's go. Now I do have a couple that want to sneak back and you got to give them a little juice. But I mean, I've walked in on bait up bear during the summertime and just started catching dogs and toning them back to me. And I got a couple that don't want to quit and I got to get a little electricity on them, but it doesn't stop them. Then I just hook them all up. Bear walks off. I sit down. I let the adrenaline come out of them dogs for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I hook them all and I said, let's go. And all six right to the truck. Yeah. Well, I think you know, you're, you're and, doing... and shows it shows when you spend a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're you yeah. were explaining something a lot of people don't don't let happen is, you know, you've got to let that that prey drive kind of dissipate. You can't just do it when they're still in that state of mind. Um, so I think you're taking that break and letting them calm down is a huge huge plus. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if you get to a tree and pet them all up, and you're there for a half an hour taking pictures and videos, you know, and it's just like you, just like during kill season, the bear's in the tree. He, he's he's already dead if you pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. He's caught. It's 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 the hunt's over. I I want to get pictures and videos, and you get some of them. Uh, you can you can take a thousand pictures to get one awesome picture. Yeah. You know, and that means a lot to me, you know? Yeah. So how many... You can fall back on that. Well, I'm sitting here scrolling through a bunch of your pictures now, um, just looking, and, you know, there's quite a bit. I mean, you've got some really good... And, you know, I noticed it. I was, you know, you and I talked a little bit before, but, like, in most of your pictures, you only have three or four dogs. Um, I've seen five in a couple pictures. That's all you need. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I, mean I, I I got six dogs and, and I got seven actually, and I might run four today and give the other three a day off or hold them in case they need to pack, you know, pack a couple in. But, you know, if you're feeding the right three or the right seven or six, That's you right. only got to run three or four. That's right. You know, and it's, it's just, it's ground time and you can see when they need a break. You know, you can see when that that dog he's he's gonna give it he's gonna give you what he can give you, but if you run them five, six, seven days a week, you can see they need they need a day off or two days off, and then it the whole game changes again. You know, you can see it in a step, and uh, 
you know, I've been feeding that a nutshuck like you are. And as a matter of fact, I just ordered a pallet. I got to pick up the first next week. And I mean, I add supplements to my feed and it doesn't matter what I ever fed over the years was Perina or black gold. Uh, I add supplements. I, 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 I believe in that canine super fuel. I got a few dogs that need a little more fat in them. So I, I'll add that dine. I'll give them a little splash of B12. I'll mix some canned dog food in so they'll eat, you know, cause canned dog food, it really isn't no nutrition. It's, it's a lot of moisture and, and, and they need water. They need that to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the best, best out there is that a nutshot. Yeah, it's um, it's good stuff. I seen that you um, commented that you were going to get another pallet. What blend are you feeding? I ended up getting thirty five bags of the twenty six sixteen, and I got thirty bags of the thirty twenty five. Yep. Yeah. And I just, I mean, the, the protein you have to watch. I mean, you can see it in the dogs during the summer when it's hot. They just can't burn all that protein. So I'd rather have a little bit, I'd rather have less and more fat, but you never get that combination. That 3025 is about as close as you can get, but the 2616, if I got to add some dine, you know, if I got to add whatever, I mean, but I, I faithfully put that canine super fuel in the dog food daily with water. Mm-hmm. And where do you get that from? I, oh, I ordered it online. I used to be able to get an eight pound container for like 93 bucks, but now it's down to two and four pound containers. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a supplement that I add. I mean, when you're running every single day, you know what I mean? This year I had fellows bring their dogs. So I give my dogs a day or two off and watch theirs and, and then pull out the whole steam heat afterwards. That's all, you know? Yeah. So how many, how, they, you know, how many clients did you run this year? Do you know? I had 26 total, oh, wow. and, and we we killed 24 bears. Uh, one guy was looking for a real big bear. One guy had to go home. I take it back, 27. We ended up treating a big bear in New Hampshire. <clears throat> the guy had passed during the week. Other clients had taken. He killed a big bear with me last year, 450. Mm-hmm. He had a blast. He's coming back next year. Uh, and then I had one that had to go home, emergency. He had to fly back home. Oh, uh, I wish he'd stayed, but he's coming back. I told him just come back next year for nothing. And then uh, I had another client looking for a big bear. Everybody's always looking for a big bear. If you got them, you can get on them. But then big bears don't stay on baits, you know. And mm-hmm. we did a lot of walk hunting, you know, and you're getting on 100, 150-pound bears, 200-pound bears. But trying to find that monster is, you know, that's a unicorn. Yeah. You know, if you ain't got them on bait. And oh. I've been lucky – uh, a couple of years ago, we rig struck and, and, and treed one, and it was a 600-pounder, you know, last day of the season. Oh. We got lucky that way, you know, off the rig strike. But I've had some I've struck off the rig. I mean, we had that one this year and went into the bait, and I got a 250-pound bear, and, and dogs went in cold trailed and went out of there fairly decent and covered a lot of ground, and we ended up treeing one over 500. I don't know where he come from, if he was coming to the bait and it made a turn or what, but that's the joy of running a bait sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you the know. client didn't, ha- didn't, didn't mind that at all, did they? No, he, he, uh, he was pretty, he was pretty wound up and then we killed, 
Oh, let's see. I think we killed four that had white bees on them this year. Oh, yeah, I, I commented on one of those because you—that's a rarity. Um, you don't—you don't see a lot of those. No, and uh, when we got lucky, I mean, I had uh, Katie Gilly shot a bear, it was a hundred and sixty-pound bear. Last year, she shot a small bear, her first bear. Uh, Matt, her husband Matt, I get my lobsters off during you know during bear season for uh, for the client, uh-huh. and uh, we just worked out a deal that way, and and. Katie was going for a grand slam uh, this year. Last year, she killed a bear, had a white bee on it. wasn't a big bear, but it was her first bear, and she was happy to take it. Uh, this year, she, she got a nice bear, and we rolled it over, and I was like, two in a row. She had white on that one. And then she went on to – she killed a cow moose a week or so ago. So she's on her way to her grand slam, which is a turkey, a deer, a moose, and a bear in name. Oh, nice. And uh, we did kill one that was – like 350, 380, you know, that had a lot of white on his chest. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we actually, we killed one. I had a first time client. He killed a bear. Bear was coming down the tree when we got in there and, you know, things get wild west and, and he took it and it had a New Hampshire, uh, nuisance bear tag in its ear and a white bee. Oh, wow. I said, you just, you, you just hit the unicorn, you know, 140 pound bear, but you know, had a beautiful coat. And some of these bears we killed this year, uh, no fat on them. Hmm. And then we'd get ones that had 60 or 80 pounds of fat on them. You know, five, six, seven, eight inches of fat. You think they just hadn't hit the food source good yet? I don't know. They, they were hitting baits, and then they're in the beach and uh-huh. back and forth. And you're thinking the donuts, donuts and nuts are going to put them on, then they're getting in the beach nuts, and they just... We had so much rain, so walking the beach, and this is just my analysis of it, is any other year you're walking the beach and you got, whether you're walking the beach to the egg cones, you can see where the bear are just raking and digging everything mm-hmm. up because you have a loose leaf pack. Right. This year we had so much rain, the leaves were packed, everything's laying on top, so they didn't have to paw for it. They just went around like a vacuum cleaner. So... You know, walking walking through the beach, normally you're looking down through the hardwood and you can see that stuff that's turned up. This year you couldn't see anything, so you had to be on it. You know, you had to be on it. But, I mean, I I just hunt my dogs loose, you know, and I hit the tone button every once in a while on them. Just I want them checking in and, and let's all just work together. And, you know, I get some certain spots I like to walk, and I like to walk them in a certain way, so I like to keep them in check. And that's just the name of the game, and years of doing it. Yeah, no, it's that it's kind of we kind of hunt the same. Of course, we can't bait here, but we early season we do a lot of rigging because the bears are out checking the berries, going to you know timber cut to timber cut, and moving. And then after you know after the the food starts falling, it's you put your boots on and go because that's what you're going to do. Exactly. I mean, and you need a good pair of boots when you're doing it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So just a little bit more about your outfit. Just, so how long have you been guiding and it, are you only doing bear hunts or do you cat hunts too? Or are you just cat hunt just for, for pleasure? I strictly hound hunt for bears. I don't take any bait hunters and I'll take a few guys that cat hunting, you know, I mean, I'll just have clients that have come bear hunting that want to just come and go. You know, cat hunting is 
you know, it's all about conditions. And then you got to have that, that guy that wants to kill a cat or wants to come cat hunting. He's got to be able to take that time off when you call and say, we got conditions. That's good. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't push that. You know, I just, you know, I mean, there's this, Paul Laney's, you know, probably the most successful in the state of Maine. He is a hardcore mm-hmm. cat hunter, you know, but he's in a big, bigger snow belt than I am, but he travels. He travels with us, no, and he, you know he's got a list probably a mile long. Right. But I just do it because I like to do it, and I, I just—it's just more training for the for the young dogs, you know. And I'll rotate everyone. Then you get that one that's exceptional because a, you know, a real cat dog's born; he's not made, you know. But uh-huh. my thing about it is just you'll get that exceptional dog that is a cat dog, and you're gonna go through a lot to get that one. Doesn't mean they're not a super bear hound. You know, but I, I, the cold trailing aspect is, that's just a big thing with me. It just, it brings that nose out at a young age. You know, and I, I, I watch your videos, the same thing. You know, when I go feed my puppies, when I stop feeding my puppies, when they're five weeks old, I have always have a piece of bear hide in my freezer with a fat out, and I rub the fat right on the bowl and feed them and feed them and feed them and then when i take them outside i'll do a drag and they get a feed bowl at the end you know and then all they have is a hide at the end of it and i do the tall grass i'll get some hot dogs or vienna sausage and i'll just broadcast toss them mm-hmm. out in that tall grass and walk them puppies so they got the nose in the wind and i i just watch that pup that's got that picking that picking his head up you know and all of a sudden he's come up with a piece of hot dog that might be the one I want to keep. If they can pick it out of the wind, they're usually going to make a rig dog. You know, and I've been fortunate with these dogs. I can put any any combination up on top of the box or outside of the box. I like them on top, but I don't know if that's the nostalgia thing. You know, I mean, they, they strike just as well out the side, but I think you reach a little more. They reach a little bit more ground when they're up higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they pick that out of the wind. Yeah, I agree with that. I like my dogs on top. In fact, my box is set up where they can't stick their heads. They can stick their noses through a, a, a four-inch slot, but that way I can shut my box up. But my dogs, I like them up top. Yep. Well, um, you just watch how, you know, you they work. Yeah, that's right. You know, if, if it wasn't, if I had a lot of ground and a lot of, lot of dirt roads, and minimal people, I would have a strike cage on the front just mm-hmm. to watch them, just to watch them. But with that being said, with all the liberals out there, I, you know, there's always the right place and the right time for that. Right. You know, it's like certain, certain videos up. Some should, some are fine and some should never be on. That's right. It's just, there's too many people against it. And I, I try and if I end up on posted land, you know, I just, I knock on the door and just tell them this is a walk of shame. You know, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to interrupt your day. I just want to go get my dog. Yeah. And 99.9% of the time they say, go ahead. And I'm, I'll invite them if they want to go. And some landowners will go right in and take pictures and bring their kids and, some just say, go ahead and, you know, have a good day. And thanks for asking. And in the truck I go. Yeah. So if, if, I, if I got a hunt country that, that you're going to 
end up going for a long walk, I'd rather go for a long walk. Well, it's always good for your heart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've roofed for 30 years. My knees are, I have to get stem cell shots in my knees last fall. Uh, Kirk, I wanted to ask you, um, and I, I know the answer, but I want our listeners. So when you're, when you're cat hunting your younger dogs and you're, and I know you run off baits, do you ever have them switch over to cats? Uh, well, let's see. They rigged and ran three cats this summer and I see the cat, you know, uh, I, I don't, you can't shock them for that. Mm -mm. You know, uh, during the winter, I'm finding tracks, putting them on tracks, walking them on tracks. And if you run a cat during the summertime, you run a cat during the summertime. And, and it, you can figure that out real quick, you know. But yeah. Can't scold them for it. But now when you go to, to hunting season when you're allowed to bait, you don't see that that much at all? Oh, three years ago, I went to a bait and I come out come out of the bait and it was just i didn't have anybody hunting with me that day other than i had a sport one client and i come out and i said there is an absolute monster on that bait and i dumped them they went right in on that bait i didn't have no camera on it so i didn't know what time and they went right out of there screaming screaming and they run for about a half an hour and then they were treed i'm like i'm not calling that a 600 pound bear by no means i walked in there and they had a big cat treed so by the time I got them picked up, out of the woods, back in the truck, that bear had come out from behind the bait, and he was headed for the mountain. So I ended up dumping him. I got, you know, rig struck it, and uh, I never checked for tracks. I never looked, but I just happened to see the track, you know, in the mud across the road. They ended up a mile and a half, stayed up for two hours, and they finally treated it, and they treated it in about an 18-inch spruce tree, about 15 feet off the ground. and It was a mile and a half, pretty much straight up. If they hadn't run the cat, we'd probably had him beside the road. <laughs> <laughs> give him a little head. They had to give him a sporting chance, give him a head start. Oh, they give him a head start, and they wore, they, uh, yeah, they threw me under the bus on that one because we never got out of the truck till eight thirty that night. Oh, yeah, and, I, it and my buddy Shane called me. And he's like, "How you making out?" And I go, "Well, we got a big bear bait up right now, and they treated him." I said, "We'll see how long he stays." And, he says, I'm on my way. He left the job site, drove 40 minutes home. Then he drove an hour and a half to my truck, him and his buddy, grabbed my GPS and packed, and they hiked in. I already had two packs with me. And by the time they got there, we had it. By the time they showed up, I couldn't roll him over to skin him anymore. We were trying to, two of us were trying to pull him with leashes, and I, we couldn't even move it. Mm. <clears throat> so we ended up stunning uh, court and packed him and headed off the mountain at four o'clock and we never got back to the, to the truck till eight thirty. Well, that makes for a long day, doesn't it? It made for a long day. And I am some glad it rained the next day. Cause I put the hunter <laughs> off till Wednesday. That was a Monday. Uh, give you a chance to recoup. Yeah. And that's the last thing I want to do is kill a bear that big and have to pack it out on a, on the first day of the season, you know, yeah. kind of got to get your legs and back used to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with one TDC. This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's 
health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on the journey. Well, let's let's get over to the dogs a little bit. Um, you, I mean, you're running walkers. And uh, first, I gotta ask, and you're, I don't know, Kurt, you're breaking up really bad. Okay, move. Okay, there it is. It was echoing, but now it's good. Um, so, did you not have a dog go missing last year? Last year, uh, a couple of years ago, I did. And you, you never did find him. Never did find him. And then he, uh, his brother, his, it was a same cross, different litter, and they were seven months apart. So his younger brother got killed on a Wednesday, and he went missing on Friday. Mm. I walked into the country, you know, with a beep, beep box, trying to beep, and the GPS had gone dead, and I was getting so much bounce and hollering and screaming and, and just trying to get close. And I just, there was one le- one spot I just could not get up over, and I needed to get up over onto that Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't couldn't get up over it. And hiked out and I said, well, somebody's got him. So I contacted wardens, pack rangers, everybody, and never found him. Never found him. Do you think a hiker picked him up? That would be my guess. You know, that I had, so 15 or 20 years ago, I was at a store and I had my dog. They used to have a, had an eight foot bed truck with a four foot lengthwise dog box. You know, it, it, it went right out to the beds, but it was only four feet long. And then I had a tie-down board behind that. And I had three dogs tied out. And a woman pulled in. And every day, I mean, she was from out of state. She was a hiker. And she made some rude comments to me. And I was just pumping gas. And I looked at her and just calmly said, you ever seen a fat marathon runner? And by the time I got done pumping gas, she'd come out and she apologized to me and said that was probably one of the best analogies that a person could ever get. And I said, look, they're athletes. I treat them like athletes. And I, I just try and address that to anybody that has something to say, you know, I mean, some dogs are going to get run down a little bit, you know, and you just gotta, you gotta address that situation, get some weight back on them. That's where that dine is 47% crude fat comes in, you know, add it to the dog food. Mm-hmm. Try and get a little meat back on them. Give them two or three days. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I think you you do some things, now we're talking about dogs, you do some things that I do, and I don't think a lot of people, well, I don't know, the guys that I hunt with are not very good at it, but they'll run their dogs five or six days a week, three or four weeks in a row. Um when I see my dogs are getting run down or I see that they're, if I see they're not performing like they should, I give them a couple of days off. As much as I hate to, you know, and then I'm not hunting for a couple of days. Uh, that's why I try and rotate. I'll run three today and four tomorrow, mix them up. And, and that way I always got dogs to hunt, but uh, you, you, you've got to give them that day off. They need it, you know? I mean, you can only push them so much. And it, 
I don't think I could. I'd push myself all best season, you know, six days a week hunting. And we had some long days. We were blessed with a few short days, but I don't think I could have pushed myself one more week. I, I'd worn myself out that much, and, and now I'm back ready to go hunting again. But mm-hmm. uh, you got you definitely got to take care of them dogs and, and treat them like athletes. Yeah. They need fresh water. They need, you know, wash their pans, their dog food pans. If you got your dogs on a chain, you know, I when I feed mine, I throw mine back out on the lawn, but I bleach them twice a week, you know, dip them in a bucket of bleach and water and scrub them down because a dog on a chain that just hits the ground, I feed all mine on top of the house, it just hits the ground, the chain brings it by, it gets in some, some feces, you know, then that's on the dish, mm-hmm. you know, and... When you get that on the dish and it just adds up or rain and, and mud around their yard. And I mean, I rake everything out daily, rake everything out and keep it. You know, I treat the ground monthly, all spring, summer, and fall. And I just try and keep them as healthy as you can. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, cleaning most of my, I've, I mean, mine are on gravel or um, pavers. I've got pavers in a lot of my pens. Um, which kind of makes like the concrete pad, but I mean, yep. Maddie, Maddie, she, she was this this weekend. Um, and this is something she loves to do and I'm not sure why she does it, but she loves to clean the dog. Bowl. So she'll go down, she'll clean all the water buckets and she'll, um, clean the water buckets and she'll go and clean all the food bowls. And she does that pretty much every other weekend. She's got her hand in it doing that. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, nice clean shiny bowl and the buckets, you know. Uh, I had a horse girl tell me, take a little bit of Listerine and dump it in the water bucket. Mm-hmm. Like during the summer because that helps with algae. Yep. I mean, I, I wash them out three or four times a week. A float, you know, flushing out the old, you know, day old water and, and putting in new. But a little bit of that helps with the algae. Yeah. No, and we do the same thing. Uh, we We do the exact same thing. So well, that's good. So what those good looking hounds you're running, what's your bloodline? What, what, how did, where did you start at? Did you start with the same bloodline that you're hunting now? And how long have you been running dogs? Well, when I was 16, 15, coming on 16, I bought two pups off Joe house. Mm. And they were off in house Clinton, Hearthball and Banjo Bitch. Mm-hmm. And, and I acquired another one. I don't know, several years down the road, there was red similar, but, and I did have a couple straight off in Lipper. Uh, you know, they were good dogs. I just, a little too much hyperness for me. I mean, I, I like the Tom Tom and, and Clint and there was, you know, there was some, there was some New England dogs here in Maine. Uh, guys in Vermont, guys in New Hampshire, you know, they'd get on and bought dogs off Joe house and, uh, Harold Dickinson, you know, loose fruit stuff and, Anyways, then dogs have been bred down through, and, you know, kennel names always change, you know. So you can trace that. You know, I take the big generation papers, and I start highlighting the house and try and try and highlight some more down through and see where I'm at. But, I mean, predominantly, that's, that's, there's more house blood in these dogs, and I just kind of tweaked it over the years. And, you know, I took a little break there, and I had running dogs for a long time, too, you know, coyote hounds. Uh, but I never... I never walked one dog, you know, 
one type of dog, the running dogs. Over and I never bred three dogs to running dog. I just my mind is just you breed a better running dog or you breed a better better tree dog. And I, I mean, it just no cross is ever going to be a hundred percent. But you know, I'll I'll cross a half brother to half sister. I got a I got couple puppies right now that is off an old bitch off my old Taz dog <clears throat> that was he was in uh, bear hunting magazine legendary deceased mm-hmm. and he was probably as good a dog as I ever went to the woods with not just because he was mine he's just a just a machine and I've got some dogs out here that are directly off him still 10 years old so I'm trying to do the best I can and breed back to something that's got him in it you know or my old fighter dog that went back to that was off in Hawkwood was off in Honda. And right now I got an aunt nephew cross. I've bred the half brother, half sister cross. You know, I've bred real, real tight. And I got a bitch out there that's uh, two bitches out there that are kind of the same cross a year apart. They got three, four shots of pads in them, three or four shots of hot. I mean, they got, they got Kate with his double with a double rough river forward. And I don't know, it just, it seems to work. You just, you got to take him, you got to hunt him. It doesn't matter if you go get the best pup out of world champion bloodline. If you don't hunt them and don't spend time with them, you're not, they're not going to know anything. It's just like a kid. If you don't, if you don't help that kid along, teach him to tie his shoes, read a book, do his arithmetic, he ain't going to be that smart. So you've got to, you've got to spend time with them. I spend a lot of time with these puppies, following them, and just taking them everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to truck. I throw them in the truck. I'm going to go see my grandkids. I throw them in the truck. You know, I'm just going to take them for a ride on a Sunday and ride around, look for cat tracks on the window. They're on the front seat of the truck. Or they're in the mm-hmm. dog box. They're in the house. You know, and if you can't take 15, 20 minutes of the day and, and spend a lot of time, it's just if somebody does that daily, you will see the difference. Yes. In raising, you know. They don't run nothing on a chain. They don't run nothing in a pen. Yeah, I just, uh, on several of my podcasts, I've said five minutes a day works wonders. Absolutely. And w- one of the things I wanted to, to ask you, because you mentioned a dog, like, so my I had an old dog named Ring, um, and he, he was the same in the, he, he was in Bear Hunter. Steve Fielder done an article on him um, in Bear Hunter magazine. So Ring was a mixed up dog, but Ring's top side was Lipper. And then, of course, the other side went back to the Ball and Barney. But I've always said this, Kirk, and I, and I believe it, that if you can get House's Clint in your dogs or you have it in your dogs, you will get a trail dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can get House of Teeth, Luke Bruce, Earth Ball and Banjo, Clint, Tom Tom, you're going to have dogs at trail. Mm-hmm. You're going to have dogs at You know, and I never put cameras on my bait until a couple of years ago, you know. But hunting these young dogs, you go in, but it's all in condition. You could see a bear during the summertime cross road. It's 100% humidity and 90 degrees and be there 30 minutes and they can't even smell it on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about uh, barometric pressure. It's all about condition of any moisture, you know. 
that humidity, I think, eats up a lot of scent and does it quickly. Um, last summer, I had a rig strike. I mean, you, you could feel the dog box almost coming out of the truck. And I dumped him. They had the bear caught 150 yards off the road, walked him another 150 yards and treated him. Went in, patted him all up, took pictures and video, brought him out, put him in the truck, drove down the road five miles, got the same exact rig strike, dumped him, and they cold trail for a mile and a half. I believe you know, it. I can't. I can't. I can't smell that track. You can't smell that track. You know, you, you got to rely on them dogs, and, and you got to trust them. I mean, I've dumped them off the truck, and I can tell by the look in their eyes if it's junk. You know, some of them won't come off the truck, and I'm like, then why did you just open? We're not going to do this today. <laughs> That's right. You know, and I've had I've had days that it's just textbook, bang, slamming rig strike. You know, if if your young dogs don't run junk, you're lying to yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I want a gamey dog. Do, do I put up with the trash running? Absolutely not. But they're going to rig it. They're going to run it. You just have to, you just got to have to put a handle on it. And you know, that's, you know, that's going to, if, if you're a true houndsman, you know that that is part of the process. Like I'm like you, I don't, I used to get tore up, torqued up when my dogs was running junk and now like, I don't care. Like, you know, if you're out there, you know, I don't have moose and stuff like you do. Um, our bobcat population is, uh, it's, it's not the best. We do have cats and I have treated some here and there, but you know, deer, deer and coyotes are our main thing. And I've said this, I tell our group this all the time. If you can't break your dogs off deer, then that's a problem because, Every corner you go around, every fence post you go around, everywhere they're sta- they're everywhere. Our deer population is threefold what it should be, and you know I take every opportunity to to work on my dog, whether they hit it or not, whether they strike it or not. I stop my truck, I turn my young dogs out, and as soon as I see that behavioral change, you know, very light stem, pop, pop, pop. I get them, they come back to me. I pet them up, I put them in the truck, and I move on. And um. But I used to get tore up when my dogs run junk. And now I'm like, you know, until that dog's, you know, four years old, five years old, I know even if I break him or trying to break him, that I'm still, he's still going to, that gaminess, that prey drive is, is genetically programmed. And I know that it's going to happen. Hey, you just got to get him on the right game and be able to read your dog, read what they're striking on. You know, uh, so the third week of October, boom, I'm getting, I mean, there's coon on baits. That coyote comes through, you know, and you got bears. Yep. And uh, the third week of October, every bait was, fishers were showing up. I mean, just, did they run one? Oh, yeah, they did. And I watched <laughs> two, of my, two of my dogs are going to be three in October, I mean, in December. I watched them just. They were going out trailing. There'd been a bear there, you know, five hours prior to the fisher. And I was like, well, I'm going to cross my fingers. But I just dumped all six in there. I said, they'll go, you know, they ain't going to bother with him. And then, I'm, then after I dumped them two young males, I was like, well, probably should have held on to them. And, and uh, dog handler 101, you know, and they get out. And I see the other young dogs keep going. And then I see my female and my young male come right back, you know, the ones that are going to be three. And they come right back to the truck. And I knew exactly. I said, "Well, I'm gonna let them finish it." Oh, they finished it all right. They had a fish retreat. Luckily, it was only 500 yards, and 
and they got uh, they got an attitude adjustment, and away we went. But I, I'm I'm just gonna I, I don't shock my dogs unless I see what they're running. Exactly. You get on a you get on a sow and a cub, and they're running circles, and you think you're running a coyote. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm not I'm not taking the gamble. If a cat pops out, so be it. I'm just gonna let them finish that cat race, whether they catch it, tree it, or they get outrun. You know, it, it's. That's something I run during the winter. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to push them to do it during the summertime, but if that's what they get on, then so be it. I mean, I can tell you 15, 18 years ago, I ran every subspecies to a black bear you could run one morning. <laughs> I am not kidding you. I mean, they come out with porcupine quills, three young dogs come out with porcupine quills, they treat a coon, they smell like a skunk, they run a coyote, <laughs> they chase the moose, and they ran a deer. And all by 10 o'clock in the morning. You want to talk about coming on court? <laughs> I was beside myself. My hunting partner says, my hunting partner says, I'm going home. I says, well, he said, tomorrow's a new day. And he goes, I can't believe you just haven't totally lost it. You know, if a man was going to have a heart attack, that would have been the day to have one. Uh, they and, were on uh, fire. Oh, they were. And then, <laughs> then they... I just, I got out with a cattle prod and struck it across the the side of my dog box. And they all cowered down, and I'm like, it don't matter. They had electricity put to them all day long. They just get goofing up. And I went about two miles, and they struck, run, treat a big bear. I petted them up, and then it was like I had no trash problems the rest of the year. They got but, it out of their system, did they? All at once, and I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather have it all at once than, than daily, you know. But, I mean, it's, it's just. I mean, I have a friend of mine, he says, you, you'll tell the bad before you tell the good. And I'm like, you, you just got to be that way. When somebody's asking me about puppies and you've you got great looking dogs and I want a puppy. And I'm like, look, they don't walk on water. It's all in the handler. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you got to be able to read them dogs and spend time with them. And, it, and it's hard for me to send puppies to people I don't know that don't hunt on, you know, and, and, Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, uh, and I've shipped them all over the place. I mean, I got some that are supposed to go to Spain next year. I got a guy in Africa wants four. He wants to fly me over. He wants me to bring four puppies to him. And nice. I sent him to the country of Georgia, which is Russia. Uh, the boys that came in Nor- from Norway, I think they're going to want one or two. You know, Idaho. I get some guys in Utah, Nevada, New Mexico want some, and you know they don't walk on water, but just hunt them. That's all I can tell you. Is just hunt them. <clears throat> well, I think it's the hardest thing um, for me is you got to put them in hands with people that are going to hunt them and give them every opportunity to be successful. And if you don't do that, then you know you're you're not really being fair to the to the hound. Nope. Not not at all. Not at all. There's some boys in Michigan. That, uh, I don't know how many I've picked out there, but it's, uh, they've got some. They made some good dogs out of them. And one kid actually called me the other night, and and he says, for a young dog, which would be a little mate to my jet, my jet dog that got killed, uh, he said she's just super cold nose. Now, people may believe it, they may not, but. Uh, when that jet was seven and a half months old and little Taz was 13 months old, I was, I was using that jet dog to rig with. 
a molecule of bear scent, that dog would lose his mind on the box, and you could let him off. And I ain't saying he found every one of them. Sometimes I had to cut an older dog with him if he couldn't find it. But he'd find 80% of them, and he'd just smoke that track and be treated. And, and it was just a year. We had a lot of acorns, and the bear were moving, and they were crossing the roads, going to the river, because that was pretty much the only water source, you know. And everything else was dried up, and it was just, just constant. I just put a lot of bears to him, and he, he was just destined to be just, you know, a legend, you know. He got killed at two years old. Yeah. Matter of fact, I had a friend of mine, plot guy from uh, Danny Coger from West Virginia, mm-hmm. hunted me one day, and we struck a bear, and I dumped, and, and they went 80, 90 yards and swum across, I don't know, 40 feet of water on the stream and started trailing, and he dumped in behind me, and we ended up, oh, run for half an hour and treed, and the bear was trying to cross the road, and we kept turning him, and we must have wore him out, turning him, and treed, and we only had a 200-yard walk, and we got in there, and he thought that was pretty good. And he said, boy, this is good young dog. This ain't bad for seven and a half months old. And he just, his eyeballs got big as saucers. And he's like, I turned my four-year-old in behind a seven-and-a-half-month-old puppy. I said, he's a rake dog. But that's just trusting your dogs, you know. I mean, when they got it, I try and push them. But sometimes I do push them too hard. But you, you've got to watch them pups, you know, they – they'll buck an ankle and it'll get full of fluid. And then, you know, that ankle is always going to be swelled the rest of their life. So a little bit goes a long ways and might push them a little extra day or two and then give them a couple days off. And, you know, you just, you got to do that. You just, you got to have that feel for it when you get them young dogs that are just rock stars. Yeah, well, putting them in the woods is, is the main thing. You gotta you gotta put them in the woods, give them opportunity. I mean, like I said, all the dogs that you've mentioned, I, I've had dogs out of Loose Bruce and Hondo, um, Lipper, you know, Housebred, and um, like a lot of the dogs, a lot of the same dogs that I have are that's how they're they, that goes back in their bloodline. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, good, starting with good. Good genetics is number one, and I really, like I said, I really like the looks. Um, I guess what what size what what size are you looking for? What are some character we've got over the cold nut? We know that we got to have a trailing dog, and you've got to have. I mean, how much grit do you like? How much how much size do you like? What what are those things that that you're looking for in a dog? I like leg. You know, I like a leggy dog. I, but I like an athletic dog, you know, I mean, I like them females that are 38, 50 pounds, you know, 40, 45 pound females. Perfect for me. Males, 58 to 68 pounds. You know, I mean, I don't like anything bigger than that. Uh, 60 pound males. Perfect for me, but it's the athletic, you know, the, you can see it. And when the, when the, I, I call it when they're puppies, you can watch that dog slope. You know, mm-hmm. he's just graceful when he runs, you know, I mean, that, that dog don't seem to hurt himself, you know, and you'll have dogs that get a little bounce in the hip, you know, and then the dogs that they wore out at five years old, you know, in the mountains, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I, I want a dog that's athletic, agile, graceful when they move. And they, they just have to be that way when you hunt in the mountains, you know, the flatter country, swamps a bigger dog is probably a better dog 
a little bit bonier, a little bit tougher, but you know, I like a medium, a medium, medium build dog, you know, medium bone. And, and, uh, as far as grit, you can't hunt dead dogs Mm-mm. and a man can only afford so many vet bills. And I got enough, like, you know, I got to patch them up and, you know, every year or two, I got to take one trip to the vet, you know, cause it's beyond my capability, but, uh, Hard barking, fast dogs that will put pressure on a bear is what I'd rather feed day in and day out. You know, they get in there and they're eight, ten feet from a bear and they're working them. They can get away from them. Uh, that thick green stuff's hard to get away from them. A bear might not catch them, but when he charges them, they run into them blowdowns and then they can't get away and they get, I can't say they get run over, but, you know, they'll end up with a hematoma on the ribs or something from, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. running into a tree, but, um, and you know, my dogs get caught, they get caught, you know, they get holes and some are more than you want. And, and I just want them to, you know, respect, they got to have that brain. So they get a little respect for the animal. Right. And one of the things you had said before is that the, and I know I've noticed this when, with my, my dogs, some of the lipper, tighter lipper bred dogs are a little bit more spastic. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd pass on that. Yeah. I'd, I'd just pass on it. I just, uh, <clears throat> you know, but I, I just, the house is chief, the tom-tom, Flint. I mean, there was a dog down in Massachusetts, uh, Jim's Hard Time Ranger, which was out of White Beck's Clint which was out of houses, Clint, and he was a big black and white dog and a strong built dog, and he threw a lot of bad dogs. And that's, I have a buddy of mine uh, in Vermont. Uh, he's probably got the heaviest of it in his dogs, and, you know, they predominantly come out black and white. Uh, they trail good. They bay good. Hard tree dog, good rig dog, you know. In Vermont, they can't bait, so they're rigging all summer long, and then boom, fall comes and they're walking cornfields and they're walking apple orchards or they're walking the beach, you know, and mm-hmm. then dogs adapt well, you know, but, uh, I mean, I got some of that in my dogs. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I'm maintaining it and I just, I try and look at them faces and try and make a good cross and I keep them registered because I want to just see, you know, what I'm falling back on. Yeah. No, I I can, can totally agree with that. You know, I got, I got a couple out here that I didn't think they had the nose, you know, but hitting two, three years old, they just, they really shine, you know, (laughs) as far as cold trailing, you know, and I don't know, I guess I have never been without a cold nose dog. So, so it's hard, you know, you just keep hunting that dog and keep pushing them. And I mean, I go to a base. It's a four, five, six-hour-old track. I dump all six out. Mm-hmm. I dump right. young dogs and all. They get the they they all need they all need to grab a piece of the pie. And they just they seem to work good together. And it's like a swarm of bees. Once they all figure that track out, and they don't stand on the head. And I I can't have it. I can't stand a dog that stands on his head. That drives me absolutely nuts. You know, there's an outgoing track, find it, grab it, and let's go. And you got them bears coming in and out and in and out and in and out all night long, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
there's that one I'm going track and I've been fortunate enough that they grab it and they go and, and they, you know, if they come back in the road, you know, the bears walk the road. <clears throat> so I'll walk them down the road, you know, road them, walk them. Don't take it back up or you'll watch them zigzagging back and forth in the road. You know, they got it. They're just not opening, but I got a couple that when I start walking them down the road, they'll hit that track and they'll open back here, back there. But once they get it out of the road, they just don't, 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 and away they go. It's just like a swarm of bees, you know? Mm-hmm. They just all, they all pull and, yeah, that one's got it. Let's all go and they just work it and, and get it going and it's game on. But like I said, they don't walk on water. They have their days just like anybody. Nobody's perfect and dogs ain't either. That's right. Well, Kirk, with that, is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, like I said, I, I, you know, glad to hear you guys had a good season. And like I said, I've really admired the dogs from afar. And, um, you know, I appreciate well, if you. you get t- a chance, if you get a chance, come up next fall. Well, I may take you up on that. And I like to go hunting. <laughs> yeah, well, you, uh, we'll definitely get some hunting in. I don't know. If you know I dog... like hunting with different people. Yeah. Yeah. I hunt all summer by myself. You know, I got one or two young guys that go with me. My buddy goes with me, and he, they, neither, none of them ever want to own any dogs other than a coon dog or a beagle. And that's about all. I run all summer, and then fall, you know, I got clients, and I like hunting with some other people and and seeing the dogs work. And well, yeah, we may <laughs> we may have to do that for sure. Oh, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and kind of, you know, sharing your your hunting with us and the dogs with us. Like I said, it's so funny that you're running. I, you've got more of it in your bloodline than I do right now. I've, mine's kind of filtered out through. Um, I've lost some older dogs, didn't get them bred, and you know, I've 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 lost some of that bloodline. But I really like what 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 you're running. I, that's been in my bloodline for you know, almost 30 years. So I, I can see some of the exact same things you're saying. And that's, that's very, um, that's very interesting to me that that's, that's the same dog that you're still running. So I really appreciate, I like hearing that. I like hearing the stories and the dogs and the bloodlines and the traits that those dogs throw with, with those blood, different bloodlines. So I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. So I, I can't say it enough. Thank you for helping us teach, train, and learn. Yeah, more than welcome. Anytime. Anytime. I tell anybody that reaches out to me, just, just give me a call. You know. I've been a member and supporter of Go Wild for over a year now. Man, how time flies. Their social media platform is for hunters by hunters. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I'm in the woods or on the water if I'm not working. And yes, some ask, do you work? Unfortunately, I do. It's a place that I post all of my trophies, no matter how big or small. Mine, mostly small. I get tips, tricks, tactics, and advice from people who eat, breathe, and sleep the outdoors. I log all of my outdoor adventures, including the time spent listening to the best podcast in the land, The Journey, hosted by no other than yours truly. So when I need anything outdoors, 
I just log on to the Go Wild store, pick out what I need, and that's anything from hunting, fishing, camping, optics, outdoor wear, and yes, hound supplies. I'm proud to partner up with the Go Wild team. So let's get your journey started today here on Go Wild.